Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Glad to be with y'all today on this very pleasant, sunshiny, and cool Lundi Gras. Getting ready for the big party tomorrow. A lot of y'all have already been celebrating quite a bit. Continue doing so because we all need a reason to be happy. So continue celebrating. Enjoy these next two days of pretty good weather. Lots going on in the world, particularly where the Ukraine situation is concerned. So spending some time today, I don't want to spend the whole day focused on it like we have previously, but there is a lot to catch up on. Uh, A long weekend of several events. First of all, I'm not sure if Russia actually took into account how tough an opponent Ukraine could be. Um, There was a weekend of a lot of attacks from Russia across Ukraine, but most, I think all major Ukrainian cities are still in Ukraine's control. Uh, Furthermore, Russia's attacks seem to have united the West in a way that I don't think Putin was prepared for. The European Union has uh, essentially frozen all major Russian assets to the point where even Switzerland breaks its historically neutral record to freeze Russian assets. Germany has raised its de- its defense spending above 2 point uh, above 2% in the wake of the invasion. Um Zel- President Zelensky of Ukraine signed a, a, an an emergency European Union membership application for Ukraine. The Biden administration, meanwhile, is basically in scramble mode trying to keep up with everything that European leaders are doing right now. And there are a lot of mixed feelings on this. There's one particular point that a friend of mine, Neil Stevens, who's formerly at Red State with me and uh, and works with the uh, works kind of behind the scenes, uh, I think, at the Daily Caller. He had this very interesting point that I I wanted to uh, bring up. So with everything that's going on right now, from multiple sides around the country, there are really two takes emerging from those who don't want us to get involved. The first take is that it's great that Europe is stepping up because this is a European problem. It's not an American problem. We need to not get involved. And the second take is from people who are like, well, if, this, if Trump were in power, this wouldn't be happening. So when you look at that and then look at the polling from the Ukraine situation, virtually every American, it seems like, now believes that the problem here is Biden and his lack of leadership. Because there is nothing that the Biden administration has done that's really all that meaningful. The West as a whole hasn't gone after Russia. It hasn't uh, restricted them too much in the uh, the swift 
communication system, SWIFT being the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. Big word, big phrase, just SWIFT is how we recognize it. The SWIFT channels to Russia are being narrowed, but not completely closed. Russia's not being totally cut off from that. And so Russia still has access to some assets, not all of them. A lot of, Ru a lot of Russian assets are being frozen, are being targeted by the European Union and the United States, but its access to a worldwide banking system is restricted but not fully shut off. At the same time, the Biden administration has also made it very clear it's not interested in going after Russia's energy exports. We're still letting Russia supply a lot of the world with oil, natural gas, etc. When Biden came into office, the United States was well on its way to becoming mostly energy independent. You can't quite say that we can or we were fully energy independent, but we were getting there. We had made a lot of great strides. One of one of Trump's strengths was enabling the energy sector to really develop in this country and really get us to be more independent. And then, of course, the Biden administration came in, uh, undid a lot of what Trump did, and basically handed Russia reins on energy just distribution around the world again. We are capable as a country of providing our own energy and exporting a good bit of it. But the current administration will not do it because of environmentalism. And as a result, Russia is capable of somewhat continuing to fund its activities overseas. But what's interesting is that not only did Russia apparently underestimate Ukraine, because you see a lot of stories coming out about Ukrainians fighting back, and a lot of these stories are really just frankly awesome. But Russia's economy is collapsing. The value of the ruble has plummeted. Russia is under a lot of stress economically right now, and it's not getting any better. These sanctions are going to make it worse. The freezing of Russian assets will make it worse. The SWIFT system, would uh, cutting Russia off from that completely would be a nail in the coffin for the Russian economy. It would just absolutely tank them. Completely freezing out Russia's ability to export energy would cripple Russia, probably for years to come. And it is something that Russia deserves because it violated the sovereignty of another state, invaded without provocation, and violated international agreements through their actions. Russia, though, will continue to be propped up by the West because the West has bought so much into this whole environmentalism thing that they have cut themselves off from their own energy production. And it's causing Russia, it's causing us to see more aggression from Russia, and it's not, it's not giving us the advantage we need over a tyrant like Vladimir Putin. Putin does not want to rebuild the Soviet Union. 
the fundamental idea of a Soviet state, of a communist state, was that power belonged to the people. Now, we know that that's not really the case and that tyrants violated that all the time, but Putin's not even giving that uh, lip service. He is straight up in his rhetoric and in his actions trying to rebuild essentially the czars of Russia with him as the czar. He's trying to rebuild a more imperial Russia. He wants Russia to be the dominant influencer in Eastern Europe and spreading into Western Europe. All of this is causing a lot of unrest across the, the, uh, across the world. But it is the absence of leadership from the U.S. that I think for our purposes is most striking. 232-1542, we're going to take a break when we come back, more on the Ukraine situation and more on why the Biden administration has essentially surrendered any sort of leadership to the polling. We'll talk about all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with you all today. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation right now, talking about the situation in Ukraine. You can also find me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can find uh, the stuff I've been writing, although I didn't write anything today, uh, at redstate.com. You can find it on kitchenpundit.substack.com. Sign up to receive my writings there for free every day. Again, 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation on Ukraine. To further underscore how unserious we are about this. On, uh, on ABC This Week, Jen Psaki, uh, press secretary for the Biden administration, uh, spokesperson for Joe Biden, actually said that Biden wants to reduce our energy independence by focusing on green energy rather than expanding U.S. energy production. So rather than use all of the tools available to the U.S. to secure our energy independence, which is as much a national security issue as it is an energy and economic issue, the Biden administration wants to continue to expand green efforts, efforts that have not proven to be very lucrative or very successful long term in the energy sector. They are more concerned with the environmental concerns than the national security concerns. Because right now, you can expect, with everything going on, more energy spikes and more economic issues as a result of what's going on. So, Annie McCarthy at National Review has a piece there. Missing the point on swift sanctions. The salient point here is why the West won't, and indeed can't, finally cut Russia off. Throughout Putin's reign, even as he mauled his neighbors, murdered and imprisoned dissenters, subjugated his people and abetted other anti-Western regimes, our government and our allies have encouraged themselves and their economies to become intertwined with and even dependent on Russia. The transnational progressives who dominate Western chancelleries have turned a blind eye to the, ex the exec execrable nature of Russia's government.
for what they see as the greater good. They've fallen prey to the fantasies that heinous authoritarian regimes will evolve into normal, enlightened governments, and that the planet can be saved from climate catastrophe if the West leans itself off fossil fuels in favor of prohibitively expensive, unreliable, and unpopular renewables. During the last few years, as Russia menaced Ukraine after having annexed Crimea, the West responded with tough talk and not very tough sanctions. Officials in Moscow wailed that a swift cutoff would be the equivalent of a declaration of war. To be sure, it would greatly complicate Russia's capacity to do business, collect massive energy commerce revenue, and exploit its foreign currency reserves. But the West cannot exclude Russia from SWIFT for two critical reasons. First, Europe, and to a lesser extent the United States, are now dependent on Russian energy. The Europeans get 40% of their gas and a quarter of their oil from Russia and depend on Moscow for 7%, and we depend on Moscow for 7% of our oil. If we cut Russia off from the messaging system that facilitates global financial transactions, and Russia thus could not collect its oil revenues, Putin would turn off the taps. Second, Russia owes us a lot of money. Despite Putin's years of rogue behavior, American and European governments have blithely continued doing business with Russia and encouraging the entanglement of our commercial and financial sectors with Moscow's. A swift cutoff would put payments on those debts at risk. The damage to the American and Western economies in that case would be immense. I encourage you to go read the full thing because he puts it very well. But the point is, we are dependent on Russia economically and for our energy. The West, in general, has been propping Vladimir Putin up. This goes back to what I was telling you last week. Yes, over the weekend, the European Union and to, the, to a lesser extent, the United States have started enacting some sanctions that would, in fact, impact Russia financially. But because of years of propping up Putin and years of focusing on cutting our own energy production in favor of these environmental causes that are unproven and unreliable, we have shown ourselves to be unserious in terms of breaking away from that dependence on Russia. And so Russia initially caught the West with its pants down and was able to take, take advantage of the unsettled nature of our economies to launch this attack on Ukraine. Now, to Russia's surprise, Ukraine has put up a very formidable fight. And there's a lot of propaganda out there on both sides. The Snake Island story, the, uh, it's now being reported that those sailors uh, are alive. They have been captured by Russia. Hopefully they are, they are okay. The story of what they said to, to the Russian ship is, is true. Uh, but these these sailors were arrested. But there are these these fantastic stories going around. I think one of my favorites uh, is still Russian soldiers capturing. I'm sorry, Ukrainian soldiers capturing Russian soldiers and making them call home to tell their parents and their families that they've been captured. I think that is just an incredible move. And and Ukraine's been putting up one stellar fight. But. Ukraine is not going to be able to keep this up forever, and already the two countries are meeting, and there will be some concessions from both sides. Russia may have overplayed its hand and may have hurt itself because its economy is taking a hit and it's not getting the clear, swift victories that it wanted to get. But by and large, 
the West, with the exception of some financial sanctions, has done nothing to protect Ukraine. If they bring Ukraine into the European Union, that will be a major victory for Ukraine. But it's very late on this. Putin has been saber-rattling for weeks, months, years now, wanting Ukraine back. Putin has been very openly going after Ukraine since at least 2014, if not longer. He wants to rebuild that sphere of influence Russia had in Eastern Europe. But if there's any sort of hope here, it's that the two biggest geopolitical threats to the United States are not on the same page right now. China came out with a statement condemning Russia for invading a recognized sovereign state like Ukraine. China did that. That is pretty big in the geopolitical world because you have Russia, China, and the U.S. as the three major geopolitical powers right now. And the biggest fear for Americans is that Russia and China would ally with each other and all in opposition to the influence and the impact of the U.S. on the rest of the world. If those two aren't on the same page, it actually looks okay for the U.S., but the U.S. needs capable leadership in order to make, in order to make opposition to these two forces work. 232-1542, we're going to take a bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, Biden is governing via polling. Let's talk about that and more here on The Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542. So over the weekend, I bought a car. I did not go to any of the local dealerships. There was not a whole lot of inventory whenever I went to check it out. So I ended up going uh, through Carvana and, and, and bought. So I'm kind of nervous about it. The whole sight unseen thing, you have a seven-day return policy, all that. But it is kind of a nerve-wracking experience. I, the car gets delivered, you know, later this week. But it will be a very interesting thing. Now, it's, it's highly rated and all that. But just the circumstances of the current moment kind of made it all, uh, kind of made it all happen this particular way. All over the place, you can tell that inventory is down at car dealerships, online, offline, wherever you go, you see there's not as much available as there used to be. And I was, I was in fairness, I was being particular in what I was looking for. But the inventory is down. A microchip shortage has caused uh, a lot of issues. There are price spikes in used cars. Um, there are increased costs for manufacturing new cars. There's a shortage. Uh, one of the things I'm kind of nervous about is that I'm, I'm moving from a, a small car to a bigger SUV because the size of the family has grown since I bought this car 10 years ago and I needed something new, something bigger, something that I felt safe driving my family around in. Currently today I'm, I'm in my wife's car, which is bigger and, and more suited for the family. The car I bought worked when I was driving from Karen Crow to Abbeville every day for work because that was my job. I, I worked at the newspaper in Abbeville, worked there for a few years, then went into teaching. I wasn't driving as much as a teacher. So a lot of things to take into consideration, the price of the vehicle, um, you know, not able to get exactly what you want because the inventory is not there and the prices are so much higher. 
the price of gas, how much am I going to be spending on gas in this new vehicle? That's that's all a thing. You know, not to mention all the things that you have to cut back on now because things are higher across the board. Economically speaking, it's a very trying time. That's one of the things that's causing Biden's polling to be nothing short of cataclysmic right now. Real Clear Politics. If you go to Real Clear Politics, they, uh, if you go to their front page, they show the top stories of the day, the top news items and the top opinion pieces for the day. And, and they are a center-right publication. So go there and you can check all this out. But, but Real Clear Polling or Real Clear Politics' best features are its uh, breakdowns of polls. And it's not so much a breakdown as is they show you everything. Every poll out there, what's been taken on a given subject. Now, some subjects there's going to be a lot more polls on than others. For example, you're not going to find a whole lot on uh, federal races in Louisiana unless it's a highly controversial one because there's not a whole lot of polling in Louisiana races because this is a very red state, very little uh that's in the way of close races or purple races or anything like that. So there's not as much available there. But one thing that they tracked very diligently is the polling average for these big national seats like president. And Joe Biden's polling average, his approval rating right now, is he's, he's down 14 points. The RCP average has him uh, at an approval of 40.8 to disapproval of 54.6. So about a 14-point difference between his approval and disapproval and more Americans disapproving. If you break that down even further, it's just disastrous. So when you look at this, there are some some designations under sample. There's RV, LV, and sometimes, very rarely, there's an A. A is Americans, so just everybody. Doesn't matter if you're a if you're a registered voter or not. RV is registered voter, and LV is likely voter. Now the A, just polling Americans, is rarely accurate. RV, registered voters, is less accurate and skews Democrat. You, you tend to oversample Democrats a lot more in those. And LV is likely voter. Those tend to be the most accurate, depending on the methodology, how they contact the voters, how many times they try to contact voters, etc. Across the board, in all three of these categories, since about midway through February, Joe Biden has been double digits in dis- uh, disapproval over approval. There was a brief spread in their uh, Economist YouGov poll, the Politico Morning Consult poll, and Emerson polls all had them in single digits. And that was around the same time frame. So between February 19th through February 22nd. And then the Russia-Ukraine situation happened. And ever since, we've gone back into the double digits. Fox News, which is also around the same time, which is typically one of actually... Biden's better polls had him at that same time frame, the 19th through the 22nd, 13 points under. Uh, ABC News, Washington Post has him at 19 points under a 38% approval rating to 57% disapproval. 
Reuters Ipsos, which is the uh, which is the poll that just sampled Americans, negative ten. Uh, Harvard Harris poll negative uh, seventeen, thirty eight to fifty five, and then Rasmussen, which is uh, they're not they're not as great as when its namesake left the company. They have Biden at negative nineteen. USA Today Suffolk polling negative eighteen and Quinnipiac negative fourteen. Biden's approval is utterly abysmal right now. That Washington Post ABC poll, 37 to 38% job approval rating. 61% of independents are rating Biden negatively. 37% approve of Biden's handling of the economy. And 75% of Americans rate the economy negatively. The NPR poll, 56% of Americans said that Biden's first year in office was a failure. Two-thirds of independents called Biden's first year a failure. And 15% of his own party called this first year a failure. Across the board, not just in the economy, it is horrendous. From NBC... A majority of likely midterm voters, 66%, disapprove of President Joe Biden's handling of immigration issues. This was a survey conducted by a firm that has acted as Biden's uh, chief political pollster. And I mentioned that because that actually came out today. That leaked today. This poll sent a memo out to Democrats. Declare a win over COVID and move on. Specifically, it says, stop mentioning mask restrictions. Mask restrictions are polling extremely negatively. The Biden administration has failed on just about every issue there is. And the numbers you're seeing right now are numbers that are higher more uh, things are, are worse for Biden than they were in 2010 and 2014, which were both big wave years for the Republicans. They are worse now than they were at the same time at that uh, during those time periods. That is utterly devastating, which brings us to the State of the Union. 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, let's talk the State of the Union and what we can expect from that tomorrow night here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. The State of the Union. Tomorrow night. I do not think it's any coincidence that Biden scheduled that event for the evening of Mardi Gras, when most of us here in Louisiana and in several places across the country will be celebrating very hard and will be partying too hard to pay attention to the speech. And we will all be taking part in our Lenten sacrifices on Wednesday, and many of us will vow to be better, less toxic people for Lent, and so we won't be nearly as critical of that speech as we should be. That's my running theory, 
But I did see a report that Jen Psaki was saying at a press conference, nobody wants a two to three hour State of the Union address. And for the first time in a very long time, I can add it, I, I can say with, with confidence that a Biden administration official has zero Pinocchios on a statement. That is a 100% truthful statement. Nobody wants a two to three hour address from the president who is going to be starting his address at nine o'clock DC time. So eight o'clock our time. If he starts on time, I'm pretty sure that's about two hours after his bedtime anyway, so he's going to be sleepy. Biden's public speeches have not been great. A lot of slurring, a lot of misspoken words. I, I don't think that he's going to perform that speech very well, but the content of the speech is going to be very telling. Now, I mentioned in the last segment that Biden's own polling firm is now saying, move away from COVID, declare victory and move on. In fact, with that information coming out, the CDC has dropped its indoor mask mandate. California, Oregon, and Washington today dropped their school mask mandates. We are being governed by polls. The Biden administration is making its decisions on public policy based on polling. Bill Clinton did the same thing. Bill Clinton relied on polling for everything from policy decisions to where to take his vacation. He would actually poll to see where his, which vacation destination would make him look the least elitist, and they would go from there. This is 100% true stuff actually learned about this from somebody who used to be a Clinton advisor. But Clinton polled on everything that would make his decisions that way. Biden is making his policy decisions like on COVID-19 based on the polling because the polling is awful. Now, to be fair, I love it when a politician listens to their constituents and makes decisions based on that, but this goes beyond that. This is reacting to not representing the voters. And that is bad politics. If you are constantly chasing the polls, you are never going to be doing the right thing because it's the right thing. You'll always be doing the right thing because you've learned what the wrong thing is based on your voters' opinions. You're always chasing that reaction. You're never getting out ahead and doing something for your constituents. Biden is governing based on polling right now. And the State of the Union address tomorrow will be a reflection of that. He will declare victory on COVID-19. He will try to paint a rosier picture on a lot of things than what we're currently experiencing. And he's going to take a lot of flack from all sides on it. Now, the media, in its coverage of the State of the Union will be largely sympathetic to Biden because that's just in their nature. But when you listen to what the speech will actually say, and we don't know exactly what it's going to say, but we can suspect. We can suspect he's going to paint a rosy picture and declare victory on COVID-19. He's going to talk about, you know, we're beyond the, we're beyond the worst of it. I got you through the worst of it. Now we can take our masks off and we can go back to normal. He will say that his White House is doing everything they can 
to put Russia in its place after its unprovoked attack on a sovereign nation. But they've been chasing the European Union's sanctions and trying to keep up with them. This is, again, the guy who said during the 2020 campaign that he was the only one who could stand up and go toe-to-toe with Vladimir Putin. And when it came time to go toe-to-toe with Vladimir Putin, uh, he backed away. During tomorrow's State of the Union address, Joe Biden will say, we are so close to economic recovery and that he is calling on Congress to pass the Build Back Better plan so that we can finally get America back on the right track. You can probably take a shot every time he says the right track tomorrow night because that's the goal of his administration between now and November is working toward getting everything back on the right track. But the problem is he's still going to try to paint a much rosier picture than what Americans are actually experiencing. Remember, every economic problem we faced, the Biden administration has kind of chuckled off and they've, they, they have really painted as being less of a problem than it actually is. And Democrats and the media have mocked Americans who are struggling in various ways. They feel no sympathy for the plight of the average American because they live in their own little bubbles. Their own little towers of ivory away from what most Americans experience. And so tomorrow night's State of the, State of the Union will be much more cheerful than it has any right to be. And Biden, should he stay awake for the whole thing, will ramble on about what Congress has to do to get America back on the right track. He will claim that he's created more jobs than any other administration, which is a lie because the government does not create jobs. He, will, he may talk about energy independence through green energy initiatives that are part of Build Back Better. He may do all of these things. He may say all of these things, but what he will without a doubt do is declare victory over COVID-19 because the polling is so, again, cataclysmic on that and every other issue. Biden will have no choice but tomorrow night try to declare victory over that to try to save his party from a disastrous midterm. That's all for today. We've got 23 hours on break, and when we come back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and check out any part of the show you missed or any previous episode by going to your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, and look up The Joe Cunningham Radio Show there. Subscribe, rate, and review those podcasts, please. Thank you guys very much. Talk to you again tomorrow.